Hello and welcome to the Eye on the U podcast, the Miami Herald's Miami Hurricanes podcast. I'm David Wilson. I am joined on the other line by Michelle Kaufman, our Miami basketball beat writer here at the Herald and, and now frequent guest uh, of the <laughs> Eye on the U podcast. Uh, Michelle, how's it going? It's going fine. It was a really fun run. I mean, I'm I'm tired, but it was it was fun. It was it was uh, it was a run that I didn't expect at the beginning of this season. So. Yeah, we obviously spent the last, I think you've been on now, three or four weeks in a row talking about uh, this run that just kind of kept building. And the the thing that was kind of a, most amazing about it, I, obviously, you know, we, we're talking now Thursday. It's been a, uh, five, four days, four days, five days, something like that since since the season ended with my, literally Miami's best season ever by at least the measure of how deep they go in the tournament to make the lead eight for the first time. Um, and really looked impressive all throughout the tournament uh, until the second half against Kansas, which obviously we will talk about. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was kind of like what was what kind of made this run special, I think, was that it didn't feel fluky, right? Sometimes a, a, a double digit seed gets to a Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight. Um, and, you know, you feel like it was because they pulled an upset or a team looked like played the, the opponent screwed up somewhere along the line, but, but what was really impressive that I think that made this run fun is by the, the time it was over by halftime of the Kansas game, it felt like this team really could beat anyone. I think Kansas is maybe the best team left. They, they look awesome to me. Um, but yeah, the, the way that obviously, you know, we talked a lot about the Auburn game last week and the way they just absolutely took it to them. Um, but, you know, all throughout, you know, USC, they obviously came down to the wire, but but they were leading for most of that game. Obviously, same against Iowa State. It was like anyone they, they, who stepped in front of them, it, it did not feel like a fluke. And I think that that is what made it fun. It's like they got everyone to believe. They believed clearly. Um, and, you know, I the, the Elite Eight, the te- eight team, teams that make the Elite Eight are not necessarily the eight best teams in the country, not even necessarily the 16 best teams in the country. But – by the end of this, I mean, it felt like Miami. They're probably not more than 10, 12 teams that were better than them this year. Yeah, I mean, they absolutely. I think they, I think we thought during the season that, you know, they definitely deserved to be in the top 25 and nobody gave them any credit. They will uh, be in the year end poll. I feel confident about that. Yeah, they should be. We'll see. But, uh, but the way they played in the tournament, absolutely. I mean, they, they came in and showed that they, belonged they played better than a number 10 seed you know they they beat a number seven seed they beat a number two seed you know they they beat pretty easily you know Iowa State so uh, you know there were no flukes at all they they really were a very very good team and when you look back on it you know that win at Duke was not a fluke and beating North when you look at the final four Duke and Carolina are both in the final four. They beat Carolina by 27 or 28 points and they beat Duke at Duke. They took them to the wire in the ACC tournament. Those were not flukes. Miami really is at that level yeah. with those teams. They, they showed it, they proved it, you know, that second half against Kansas, notwithstanding every, every other minute that they played in the NCAA tournament and the ACC tournament, they proved to be, you know, a potentially a, a top 10 team in this country. And, and you know that was that was very exciting to see, and it was exciting to to see the rest of the country sort of like figuring out who they are. And Charles Barkley all yeah. of a sudden picking them, and Kenny, and you know all of a sudden everybody jumping on board and talking about Coach L. And you're watching ESPN, and they're talking about Sam Wartenberg, and I'm like, wow, this program's come a long way. Yeah, 
Yeah, there, that's there's kind of two parts of it, right? One, like it just justifies, you know, I think most Miami fans who are watching this team all season long, basically, you know, we talk about the turning point a lot being basically the trip to Orlando. Since then, they've been really, really good. And I think most Miami fans watching, like, that, like it's such a cliche to be like, oh, we're underrated, disrespected, all that kind of stuff. Um, well, you, Miami fans, you you were justified in this instance. A lot of time, Miami fans are not justified that they think that way. They are certainly justified after after the way that this team showed that they uh, can compete with the best of the best of the best in the country. Um, and so, you know, this whole season that was fun, right? They, they played a lot of fun games. They played a lot of close games. They play a fun. They played a fun style with four guards and uh, an undersized center who was, you know, a great three-point shooter. Um, it wasn't like it was just kind of happening off to the side in college basketball, right? Like, you know, if you if you root for a mid-major or something, you can have a really fun season. Ultimately, like, it's fun, but it doesn't feel like it maybe doesn't matter as much on the national stage. Uh, the ACC mattered this year, obviously. Uh, three of the Elite Eight were from the ACC, half of the Final Four from the ACC, um, Miami for a lot of the season led the ACC by playing this style. Um, they didn't change who they were to, to pull off upsets in the NCAA tournament. They, they found a style that worked for them and um, it was fun to watch all year long. Uh, and that includes the NCAA tournament. That's the, the great thing about college basketball and the awful thing about college basketball is it all comes down to, you know, it can feel like it all comes down to three games in March and, the nice thing about this Miami season was they were awesome in March, but they were also awesome all season long. And, and that's something obviously a lot of the country didn't realize, which is understandable. Um, but I think for the Miami fans who got to be along for the entire ride, like, I don't know, obviously the perfect season is win a national championship, but uh, hard to ask for a much more fun year than the season that they put. Together. Right. Oh no, no, this, this season will go down. I mean, I've covered, I wrote a column yesterday, Yeah. you know, I've covered this team officially since 1996 but then also when I was in college is when the program was brought back in 1985 I was working for the school paper then and you know to see to be sitting there at an elite eight you know I wrote about it I just you know this program this season was very very special and and I covered the other the other sweet 16 seasons and Mm -hmm. those were great and they were fun but for this team from where they came from to get all the way to the elite eight. I mean, to be unranked all season, those other sweet 16 teams were ranked. People kind of expected them to be good. They had a higher seed um, for this team to come in as a number 10, never having been ranked all season and reach the final eight and, and not only final eight, but leading Kansas at halftime by six, which was the largest margin. I think they had been trailed by in the, yeah. in the uh, tournament. Uh, that was very, very impressive. And then it all fell apart, but you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess we do need to talk about the the Kansas game yeah, you know, at yeah. some point here. But uh, another <laughs> thing I think that made this obviously Charlie Moore was such an important part of this team, and he's huge. You know, he huge, passed huge. through, right? He was here for less. He spent less than a year on campus at Miami, but you know, Cam Mcgusty has been through a lot, obviously, and a lot at Miami. Uh, been the best guy or the second best guy on some some pretty bad teams here. He obviously, I mean, his performance in the first half of that Kansas game, it, like you felt like they were going to win the national championship the way he was. Yeah. Playing. He looked like, Oh, he looked like an NBA player. This yeah. whole tournament. Um, he really I mean, raised the stock. He looked so good. Yeah. And, and, you know, Bill self said, we could not stop Cam Augusti in the first half in the second half. They did adjust their defense on yeah. him. And Cam talked about it too. He said, I, they made it really hard for him to catch the ball. They made it hard for him to, to you know, shoot. 
they definitely adjusted their defense on him, and that worked. Uh, in the first half, he looked unbelievable against a team like Kansas. Yeah, yeah. he really – Cam had an incredible season. I think everybody was more – the typical UM fan was more excited that Isaiah Wong was coming back than Cam, but it turned out that Cam really had an amazing senior season. Yeah, he kind of became the no doubt, obviously the leader of this team and, and the MVP of this team, ultimately. Um, uh, Sam Warnenberg, the other, obviously, sixth year senior who has been here for six years and has been. Yes, he time. was there. He was so, there the last time. He, when they were in the tournament. Gusty and, and Warnenberg in particular, those are two guys who, you know, Sam was here last time the team was good. Yes. Also, so he's he's seen the the rise, the fall, and now the rise again. But those two guys are, are guys that I think, um, do, I think of the the seasons they had to go through with the injuries and the FBI stuff, and, and the way that they uh, were able to get this pretty good finish to their careers. Um, I, I'm really happy for those two guys. Um, yeah, and Coach L, Coach L talked about you know those guys coming back. They could have they could have transferred. I mean, you yeah, know, everyone, the, the thing that was in vogue last season was last spring was to transfer. Everybody was the tiniest bit unhappy, just transferred, including from this team. And those guys, what Coach L was, he was almost he's pretty emotional, actually, mm-hmm. after the whole thing was over, talking about what it meant to him that Cam McGusty, Isaiah and Sam all decided to come back, even though last year was so bad and they could have transferred for quote unquote greener pastures, they decided to come back and battle for the U battle for that uniform and try to get this program back to, to where it was. And they did, they did. And beyond they exceeded. And, and it really meant a lot to him that they believed in him and they believed in the program and they didn't just turn their backs on it and ditch, you know? Yeah. yeah they set a, a new foundation that Miami can kind of build on going forward. Uh, I guess quickly the the Kansas game, you touched on it there where they basically, you know, that's still the difference, right? That's why Miami was picked to finish 12th in the ACC or whatever it was in the preseason. It's like you look at, you know, they obviously had, I, I think everyone, even those people who were picking Miami to finish 12th in the preseason knew that Isaiah Wong and Cam Augusti were, were two of the better guards in the ACC. And obviously, uh, you know, Isaiah Wong was, did not have a great game, obviously, in, in the Elite Eight. Uh, but Cam Augusti, that first half was, like we said, spectacular. But then the thing that Kansas can do, and it's the difference, again, between Miami and these other, you know, Kansas, Duke, Villanova, and even North Carolina, which I think is on a different level of of talent, is the way that they can, you know, they have five guys. Miami has five. When they they have their starters out there, they have five guys on the floor with no weaknesses, it feels like. Kansas has that too, but they're just all a little bit bigger and faster and more athletic, and they can switch. And they, they really, I mean, their defense was incredible in the second half of that game and then obviously Miami you know it's kind of funny that the depth was a thing that we like we're like that is why this team was so bad the last couple years but the depth that this team still lacks compared to some of those other teams did come back to bite Miami too where yeah I mean they basically um, just relied on those five five. and a couple guys got in foul trouble and and it it made it really tough to to get out of it but uh you know I think that first half that first Jordan half Miller. is going to be Go something to like remember, right? And I think a lot of Miami fans watched that first half and are probably had some regret coming out of that of like ugh, we were up six on Kansas at halftime and couldn't seal the, finish the finish the job. But uh, I don't know. To me, it was as much about Kansas just kind of got rolling, and and I think I think them and Duke are, are the two most impressive teams right now, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think Miami. What happened is, I think in the 
Coach L said that uh, at halftime, he told them, he said, Kansas is not going to score 26 points the second half. They are, they're going to be angry. They're going to be mad. They're going to come out fired up. They're going to change things. You know, let's not expect that the second half is going to be like the first. And the Miami guys, they made three turnovers right away. You know, in the first three possessions, I think they turned the ball over three, three possessions in a row to start the second half, which is very unlike them. You know, one of the things they were known for was taking care of the ball. They were ranked like eighth in the country or something for taking care of the ball. So for them to turn the ball over three times in a row was very uncharacteristic. And meanwhile, Kansas took those three turnovers and turned them into like two dunks and a three pointer. And that building, I was there. It was however loud it sounded on TV. It was 10 times louder in person. It was super, super loud. Miami had a tiny section, you know, the whole entire building, 21,000 people pretty much was for Kansas. Yeah, They all started screaming and erupted and you could just feel, you could just feel the momentum has just switched. Kansas is in control. The crowd is on their side, and Miami is now scrambling. And they st- they panicked, which is something they hadn't yeah, done. I was a little surprised. How I'm not surprised that they lost. I was a little surprised how they lost. Yeah, to lose by 26, Miami. That just yeah, to lose. Like you're saying where they it felt like they panicked. They they, they started uh, heaving up threes and over. air yeah. balls, and they turned the ball over. And they, you know, Charlie Moore was. Charlie Moore had probably his worst game of the year in that second half in the whole game. Really? He did not have, and I don't know if it was partly because he went to Kansas. That was one of his bill self was his coach. Those are the fans. You know, it may have had something to do. He was back home in Chicago. Maybe it was just too much for him, but uh, you know, he probably had the weakest game that he's had all year in that game. And when they needed him the most and you know, the whole team just kind of, they just seemed to panic. They really did. They did things that they didn't do all year. And Kansas is a good enough team that they they capitalized on that. They pounced on him badly. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right. So I want to wrap up by now looking to the future, which we've done a little bit of here uh, in the last few episodes. Um, as we said, you know, Miami is six three sixth year seniors in their starting lineup obviously all three of those guys are gone we'll wait to hear uh, about isaiah wong's future coming up you know he's obviously uh i I don't know if he's a like no doubt guy who would get drafted but certainly a a draft prospect who nba teams will be interested in getting in for workouts and stuff like that uh jordan miller it sounds like we'll be back uh, and could i guess kind of be the face of the team potentially although miami's gonna have to get very active in the transfer portal um, so it's an interesting spot where it feels like this season, even though they had so many vets, like we said, it was a building block or at least a foundation. Um, but at the same time, Miami goes into a rebuild now this off season. 
Um, so how does this season, do, do you think, help Miami going forward? How can they build on this, even when they're going to lose three, maybe four of their five starters? Yeah, I think the main thing that this run did is it's going to help them with recruiting transfers, you know, and, and freshmen for the future. But the transfer portal, any, any kid out there who's a little bit unhappy at wherever he is at his school looks at Charlie Moore and Jordan Miller. They came in and became yeah. instant starters and instant stars on this team. And, and anyone who watched to see all of those videos of Coach L dancing in the locker room, the players howling and laughing and having fun, playing loose, the fact that they share the ball so well that everybody on that team in the starting lineup was a big factor on this team. Everyone on that team was scoring, you know, double figures here, there, and everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that, you know, any kid out there who's looking to transfer from wherever he is has to be looking at Miami. Like this is an elite eight team. Okay. It's in Miami. It's great weather and palm trees. You've got, now they're in the elite eight. They have a coach who clearly loves his players, has his arm around Charlie kissing Cam McGusty on the head You know, this is a guy who really cares about his players and any guy out there who sees his, the coach's demeanor, the player's demeanor, the the amount of fun that they were having and that they reached the elite eight being so under, you know, undervalued, they, they reached the elite eight and, and anyone knows coming in that there are three or four starting positions open, whoever comes in here from the transfer portal is going to be a starter. That's what they're looking for. They're, they're looking for someone to start a point guard. They're looking for someone to start, you know, in Sam Wardensburg's position. Uh, so I think it's very, very attractive for any transfer student. And then, you know, they have uh, their recruiting class. You know, I always, I don't give that much credence to the rankings because uh, who knows when they get here, but their recruiting class is ranked number 17, which is a good recruiting class for them coming in. Um, in fresh a freshman, but Coach L said a few times during the tournament, he said that in his opinion, it's it's equally, if not more, important nowadays to recruit the transfer portal because mm-hmm. he said if you only have freshmen, your team is very young and you're not going to go very far. So he really buys into the and you have to look at the three Sweet Sixteen teams that he had were all led by transfers. Yes. All three had transfer point guards, Shane. Shane Larkin and then Angel Rodriguez and then Charlie Moore. The three seasons that have been the best for him were with transfer point guards. So I am sure they are scouring now and waiting for people to, you know, to put their names into the transfer portal. And, you know, um, I've already heard the Illinois, you know, Andre Corbello. I don't know if he's thinking of transferring, but they recruited him way back. He's in the portal. He's in the portal and he's a Hispanic guy that they had, you know, I think he was, Talking to them, Puerto Rican. He's from New York, or like grew up in Long Island, but I think he's Puerto right. Rican. I want he's to say. Puerto Rican or Dominican or whatever. I think he's Puerto Rican, and you know he could be an Angel Rodriguez too. You know, I mean, he's a he would probably love the atmosphere here, the Latin culture, and the fact that they're looking for a starting point guard. You know, so who knows? But I think they're I think the run that they had is absolutely going to help them a with recruiting transfers and and freshmen, and b also. Um, with getting, getting more credit next season from yeah. the media, from fans and local fans, I would think, I would think, I would think the attendance Miami, ticks knows, up, but we'll have to see. You would think the attendance ticks up. You would think those students will start to show up 
to welcome back an elite eight team with one of the top coaches in the country. Yeah. You would think that would happen, but this is Miami. So we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. I, I think there was a little, you know, there was kind of a problem with the, in terms of like just the local support and stuff um, with, you know, there was, and maybe the, the, the thought that the ACC was bad heard it, but the, I think everyone was waiting to like kind of in wait and see mode with this team all season long. And with the Jim Laranega era, considering how the last couple of years had gone. And, and like you said, getting to Elite Eight after having the type of regular season you had, where you get the double buy in the ACC tournament and spent a lot of the year atop the standings and beat Duke and beat North Carolina. Uh, it, it'll give them, uh, you know, they got to they gotta play well next year, right? If they go right back to being a 500-ish team, then, yeah, the support's going to wane. But I, I would think at the start of the year, It'll have to be good. Um, you know, opening night, I would hope there's a pretty good crowd. I don't know what the schedule looks like yet, but um, yeah, they're, they're a good position. To me, it, like, it is a, this season was a, like, justification for the Jim Laranega style. Because, you know, the, those transfer teams we talk about, the, the past Sweet 16 teams, Miami was playing a little bit of money ball there, right? They were doing the transfer thing way before anyone else. Yeah. And now everyone's doing that, right? Kentucky is doing that. Like they, they don't even care about high school recruiting as much anymore. Um, everyone is doing the transfer thing. Um, and so it makes it, you know, back, back, back in a decade ago, Miami was getting the best transfer that, you know, some of the best transfers on the market. They and, were, they had Sheldon McClellan. They had, you know, yeah. a lot of their top players have been transfers. Kenny Kaja was a transfer. Yeah, I mean, everyone, McClellan everyone. was a transfer. Trey McKinney Jones was a, tra- I mean, these guys were all, a lot of their top players were transfers. And it's, they were it's not more, recruiting transfers is more competitive now than it was, um, but it's also a much deeper pool of, of players to pull from. And um, I think. And even learning, more now because they don't have to sit out. Back right. then they had to sit out. Yeah, now they don't even have to sit out. So. Yeah, even Cam Augusti had to sit out, which is kind of funny to like think that. Yes. It's that recently. Um, but yeah, Jim Laranega, you know, his system still works. He proved it still works. Um, he needs certain guys, obviously he needs vets in there. Um, so yeah, it, to me, I, I think there's just got to be a level of confidence going into next year that whatever combination of guys they bring in, as long as they get that starting point guard and find a wing and find one more big guy, I would think those are kind of the three things they need. You know, I, I think, you know, Anthony Walker will be a contender to maybe start next year. Um, Bensley Joseph, I thought, looked pretty good in spots during the tournament run. Wuga Poplar was obviously needs to uh, work needs to work on his shot. Yeah, yeah his his lack of shooting really really hurt them in the Kansas game. But he's feisty and he's physical. I think he plays good yeah. defense. So they, they've got some some guys. Yeah, and then there. Harlan Beverly. I mean, I haven't seen him really. Harlan Beverly's been injured. He came in as a high recruit. Yeah. So, so those guys. I, I don't know. Injury. Obviously, Miami's not going to go into the yeah. year thinking our starting backcourt is. Um, Bensley Joseph and Luga Poplar, but um, you know, those are guys who you need to develop them. That's got to be part of it. But the big, like you said, the big thing has to be you got to hit a home run or two on the transfer market, um, which is hard to do every year. But Miami is has kind of historically done it better than anyone given the way they've done it for a decade plus. Yep, I agree. Yep. So we have to keep an eye on the transfer portal. Yeah. And then as far as the recruiting class, you touched on it. Um, you know, they've got a, a blue chip center coming in and in, in favor 
air. Yeah, the air tallest. Air. He's the tallest center. I mean, he's the tallest guy to come in since Dan Gak. Now, Dan Gak didn't, you know, great guy, yeah. but never turned out to be what they thought. Yeah, but, so, you know, but this guy is another really tall, tall seven foot center, which they haven't had much. Actually, all four of the guys coming in are over six. Six foot six. Yeah. High so school typically a project. AJ Casey, a top yeah. 100 recruit coming out of Chicago. You know, you'd hope that he can contribute. The other guys yeah. are three star type guys. So it's always kind of hit or miss uh, as far as year one with, with those types of guys. And then, you know, they'll be in on Malik Renault, who we, we talked about a couple of weeks ago. So they've got a chance to, to add some talent here. Um, you know, if Miami doesn't add anything, they're not going to be in good shape next year. But I think the the way that they set this, like I said, it was not. It's hard to call it a building block because of what they lose, but I think a foundation for what can be next. Like they're just, they've got full confidence, obviously from the administration. Jim Laranega got his extension, which was uh, badly needed, and honestly, probably the most important thing to come out of this run. Obviously, that happened before the NCAA. Yeah, because anyone who comes in now knows that he's yeah. going to be sticking around. He's not retiring. So, so I, I think they're in, they're in pretty good shape. You know, it's going to be a little bit of a rebuild. Um, you know, there might be a bubble team next year, which I guess they kind of were this year. So uh, I think ACC is going to get more respect next year, though, certainly. I would think so, um, yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I think it's, it's you know, an exciting time to be a Miami basketball fan uh, again, which it was not for the last couple of years. Um, you know, this as long as Jim Laranaga is here, you just kind of trust the process to me because yeah. he is, you know, he has done things in his time at Miami that is, no one else has ever come close to, to matching his accomplishments here. He, he is the program. This program was, yeah, I guess they were okay with Frank Haith before it really went off the rails, but this program basically like would, we'd be talking about them like they're Boston college or DePaul or something. If it wasn't for Jim Laranega. And, yeah. Yeah. He, he brought them to new heights. He definitely brought them to new yeah, heights and even higher heights now this year. Um, so you got, you got to build on it, and they've got a real chance to, I think. And I think there's confidence internally, right? Like, it's not like they're like, oh, shoot, this is our one shot to do this, right? No, 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 they're, no. They're this, feeling very is, confident. Yeah, I think they're very confident in him and 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 what he did and that he can do it again. So, you know. Yeah, yeah they're, out of the sha- they're out of the shadow of that FBI investigation, which uh, helps a lot, I think. Yes, so. absolutely. All right. Uh, you can follow Michelle on Twitter at Cough Sports. Uh, she was lots of coverage, obviously, from the NCAA tournament run. She is also uh, covering the Miami Open this weekend. So if you're interested in what happens in the, the final couple of rounds uh, up in Miami Gardens, you can check her out there. Uh, and then it'll be soccer time again in Miami. Yeah, well, I'm actually yeah. covering the game Saturday night. So I'm doing the women's. Oh, right. I forgot they're back on Saturday. And then yeah. keep on driving north to uh, yeah. drive pink stadium. They play Houston and see if they can win a game for a change. We'll see. At least the, yeah. <laughs> uh, at least the men's national team is going to the. Uh, yes. Men's oh, national oh. team, which includes one player from inter Miami. So an inter Miami player, Yedlin is going to, to the. Yes, my guy. Um, all right. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at DB Wilson too. Um, a lot of Panthers coverage these days as they're getting ready to wrap up the end of their season. Uh, and I've uh, been filling in over at Miami football this week while our colleague Susan Miller Degnan has had a week off. Uh, be sure to follow all the podcasts, obviously. Uh, NBA playoffs right around the corner. So check out the Heat Check podcast, which I'm on with Anthony Chang. Uh, check out the Greg Cody show with Greg Cody. Check out Fish Fights with Jordan McPherson and Andre Fernandez as Marlin season's getting ready to start up. Uh, busy time, obviously, in, in South Florida sports and Miami basketball uh, 
for a couple of weeks there was was the biggest story in this busy sports town. So it was a lot of fun. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed listening. Uh, and hopefully we'll have Michelle back on before too long uh, because I, I'm always ready to talk college basketball. <laughs> all right. Well, once the transfer report, once I start signing. There we go. Yeah. When they add a couple of guys, we'll, we'll get you back yeah. on. Uh, Michelle, thanks for coming on. Uh, and all right. we'll talk thanks to you all next week. Thanks for having me. It was fun to talk. All right. Have a great day.